So remember how last week I said I was handing out winners like free toothbrushes at the dentist's office? Turns out the toothbrushes didn't have any bristles on them, and that's a very important part of a toothbrush. See, you listen to my show, you learn things. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. It is early Tuesday morning, but my work schedule leaves me absolutely zero flexibility as to when I can record, so we're getting it done while we can. Welcome to week 11 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2020 NFL regular season and postseason, and it was a good straight up week. Honestly, I am so bloody ice cold on these betting picks. And look, I'm always going to be transparent. I'm never going to sit here and try to polish a turd for you and try to pretend that the picks are better than they were because last week they just simply were not there. I did go 9-5 and five straight up. That's perfectly fine. 96-50 and 1 on the season, 65.3%. Fantastic. Against the spread, 5-8-1. Not good enough. Could have been better. Had opportunities to be better. Simply did not work out. Didn't fall in my favor. Now a full six games under 500 against the spread on the year. 69-75-3. and three. And the totals, which are almost better off not even mentioning at this point, 4-10. and 10, And we are, what, 20, 22 games below 500. 61, 83, and 3. And if I've really lost my way anywhere, it's it's with the totals. They're just, they're just bad. I hope you've been fading them all season because that means you've been making really good money. And you're welcome. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks went 3-1 and one straight up with Baltimore somehow losing to the New England Patriots last week, 23-17. Got Green Bay, although that was a bit of a, an adventure sometimes. Got Cleveland and got Minnesota. Against the spread, I was 1-2-1. and one, Got the push in the Cleveland-Houston game. Cleveland pushing on minus 3. And uh, I did get Minnesota minus 2.5 on Monday Night Football last night. Only went 1-3 and three on the total, staying under 41.5 points in a rainy Baltimore-New England game. Checking in on both the Bridgewater's Finest and Anti and Co. straight up pick'em pools. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I moved up this week from tied for 15th into 12th all alone. 829 of 1,158 possible confidence points. That's a 71.6% clip. We're going along real well here. Brought in 79 out of 105 possible confidence points in week 10. That is slightly over 75%. Was not good enough to win the week. Once again, my boy West Coast Martin wins week 10 in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool. Going 12-2 and two straight up last week. Martin's on fire. 90 of 105 confidence points. 85.7%. Gavin OC4 remains the overall leader. It is very, very tight. Gavin's 101, 45, and 1. 
863 of 1158 confidence points that's 74.5% it is very very close it is still a matter of one great week and one terrible week and the standings can be completely flipped on their head now in the anti and co pool I actually didn't get the pick in for the Thursday night game in enough time so I only brought in eight of the 14 games in that pool where I actually went nine and five on the week but I didn't get it in in that pool at time doesn't count what can you do tied for 11th out of 33 uh, according to that pool, I only brought in 57.1% of the games correctly last week, but that's only because, according to that pool, I'm 8-6, and six, I was really 9-5. and five. West Coast Martin, he wins the thing, obviously, in Week 10, going 12-2, 85.7% of the games, as well as 85.7% of the confidence points. That's, that's interesting. And West Coast Martin has officially taken the lead in the anti and co pool with 103 out of 147 games picked correctly straight up. He is at that magical mystical 70%. Now we're going to take a peek into fantasy corner here to see how my six fantasy football teams did in week 10 action. And not only was it a good week for my fantasy teams going a full five and one, but this segment, here's the announcement that I teased on Twitter a couple of days ago. This segment is now sponsored sponsored by the dynasty trade calculator you've heard me talk about this on this show here and there anybody that's in like a dynasty or a keeper league with me i've talked about the dynasty trade calculator at length i am now officially an affiliate of the dynasty trade calculator i could not be more excited to get started on our work together and to pass that valuable resource on to you as far as i'm concerned there is no better resource online for dynasty player evaluations trade help rankings podcasts anything that you need for your long-term leagues your dynasty leagues your keeper leagues and i know what you're saying they say well justin my leagues have really weird custom scoring my league is a super flex my league has running back points per carry my league has a tight end premium mine's a two quarterback league it does not matter. My league, my dynasty league has individual defensive players. The dynasty trade calculator has me covered with the most accurate player ratings and evaluations and trade help. There's even a trade wire where you just plug in a player's name and it shows you trades that have taken place in other similar leagues and just to give you an idea of what a certain player is trending for in actual real world trades that have taken place in dynasty leagues there is literally no better resource out there for you than the dynasty trade calculator i'm very excited to start my work with them you can sign up through my affiliate link which is in the description below sign up there's plans as low as three dollars a month or just do what i do fifteen dollars covers you for the entire year you are never without the best dynasty football resource on the internet that is the dynasty trade calculator like i said went five and one with my fantasy teams in week 10 an excellent showing for the very first week of my affiliation with the dynasty trade calculator in the professionals dynasty fantasy football league picked up the win against watson watts off my good friend conrad moves me to nine and one 
in first place in that league. I got a week 11 matchup with the aforementioned Gavin OC4. That is a projected win. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League, which is a keeper league, which means the Dynasty Trade Calculator does definitely help me out in making sure I'm choosing the right keepers, keeping the right players from year to year. I got the win, picked up just my fourth win of the season over Geo Knows. Remember, I was the underdog in that matchup. I pulled up the win. I'm trying to make a mad dash for the playoffs here just at four and six. It's going to be tough. I got a week 11 matchup coming up against Billy B, who has been good in this league all season long who are probably overall one of the better fantasy players that's in this league. And Billy's had this thing all year where he's changed his team name to relate to the person that he's playing against. So I've been waiting. I've been waiting because his names have been fire. They've been dynamite all year. So I've been waiting for what mine was going to be. I finally got to see it this week. And Billy pulls out Bridge Over Troubled Water. And I absolutely love it because, of course, my team name's are Bridgewater's Finest, just like my YouTube name. So Bridge Over Troubled Water, I was so happy. That was a 10 out of 10. I was so happy to wake up and see that this morning. Right now, I'm projected to lose against Billy, but I got to pick up a new team defense. So that's going to be a tough matchup. It's a tight matchup, but I'm fighting for my playoff life here. So Billy, good name, but bring it on, son. And as always, I'll let you know that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, now in addition to the information about the Dynasty Trade Calculator, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 11 in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining both the Bridgewater's Finest and Auntie and Co. Straight up pick em pools if you win a week. Boom, you get shouted out on this show. You can find information on the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. Obviously, my picks have not been the smoothest as of late, but if you want the smoothest tees on the internet, what a segue, what a transition. Nerdtees.ca, promo code BWFINEST. You're going to plug that in. You're going to save your 15% at your checkout. You're going to get free shipping on any order in Canada over $100. Great value, too, on the U.S. dollar, if you're one of my listeners, from the United States. Today's blend, Strawberry Power Up, it's been a staple in my tea regimen for a long time now. Basically, for as long as I've known about Nerd Teas, Strawberry Power Up has been there for me. It's very, very tasty, very smooth tea, especially in mornings like this where I need that little extra energy boost. Strawberry Power Up is there for me. Literally dozens and dozens of incredible tea blends on nerdteas.ca. Hit that promo code BWFINEST, save your 15%, get your free shipping if you're in the Great White North like I am, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtease.ca. The rule of four in the NFL fails to connect last week for just the second time this season, now still running at eight and two. I'm feeling a bounce back week here for the underdogs. Let's get started. Seattle at home, taking on the Arizona Cardinals. That's where we're going to begin week 11. Obviously, divisional matchup here in the NFC West. These two teams tied for the lead. In fact, there's a three-way tie at the top of the NFC West at 6-3. and three. Arizona, the LA Rams, and Seattle 
all right there for the division lead. Now, look, Arizona and Seattle, both of these teams have victories inside the division so far this year. Arizona has not yet lost to a division opponent. Arizona's 2-0. Seattle has, in fact, dropped two of their three division games. Seahawks losers of two straight games, and look, Russell Wilson has not really played the way he played early in the season. And look, I mean, he was he was world beating earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, it was like there was almost no secondary conversation in terms of who the NFL MVP was going to be. The last few weeks have certainly called that into question. Two straight losses for the Seahawks. They've lost three of their last five. They should still be in the driver's seat in this division, but that's not the case. Arizona enter this game winners of their last game and winners of four of their last five, in fact. The offense clicking along 35 points a game over their last four games, and they've scored no fewer than 31. Now, the defense has allowed 30-plus points in three straight games, so we want to see the defense certainly work to improve those numbers. And speaking of that, the Seattle Seahawks, and it's a completely different story. Seattle still scoring 30 points a game. It's their defense that's been letting them down lately. Their last four games, defensively, they've allowed 23, 44, 27, and 37. The defense allowing 33 points a game over their last four games. It's been the defense that's been losing them these football games. So look, two offenses that are playing very well, both playing very well right now, despite Russell Wilson's struggles. Seattle should be getting Chris Carson back in this game, which will be a big difference to them offensively. But there's only one defense here I even moderately trust. That's the Arizona Cardinals. Weird stuff happens in this division. I kind of committed to just taking the points with whichever team got the points. Obviously, it's Arizona. I'm taking the Cardinals in the upset here. Straight up upset. I like Arizona to go into Seattle. Going to be a little rainy in Seattle. I like Arizona to come up with the win over the Seahawks. On the line, Seattle's laying three points as a home favorite. I fully understand it. It's a justified line, but I like the cards to win outright, so I'll be more than happy to take those three points. Worth noting, Arizona as a road underdog this year, 2-0 against the spread. So we will take Arizona plus three. Total in the game set at 58 points, and it is the by far the highest total of this week. Now, a couple things worth noting. Scoring in the NFL over the last couple of weeks, and really since early in the season, has been on a steady decline. The defenses are kind of catching up. We've gone from like 27 points per team per game all the way down to 24 over the last two weeks. So scoring has been on a steady decline. A very high number here at 58. Originally, when I capped this game, I had this game like in the high 60s. So I'm like, okay, it's the biggest number of the week, but I still think it goes over. Looked at the weather report, and look, this line at 58 is right about where this should be. It could probably even stand to be like a half point higher. But it's going to be rainy in Seattle. They don't have a dome that is going to affect the way both of these quarterbacks throw the football. I'm expecting maybe one or two more turnovers. Chris Carson is going to be back, but obviously he hasn't played in a few weeks. May have a little bit of rust to shake off. A wet football could mean some more turnovers. I think this game stays under. Might not stay under by a lot, but I'm going to go under the biggest number of the week, under 58 points in Arizona, Seattle. Let's go Cards 30, Seahawks 27.
Let's go to Cleveland now where the Browns fresh off a win over Houston that should have been a bigger win than it was. And we'll talk about Nick Chubb here in a second. Cleveland going to play host to a Philadelphia Eagles team on the tail end of back-to-back road games who, despite the loss last week, still hold their own destiny in their hands in terms of the NFC East. So I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. Uh, Pretty well the entire football world is praising Nick Chubb for what he did at the end of that game. So if you didn't see the play, I don't know how you haven't at this point. Uh, Nick Chubb, late in the game, this is a three-point football game. Game still very much in doubt. So Nick Chubb gets a big burst of speed down the left sideline. He's away. Looks like he's going to be clear into the house. And Cleveland should now be going up by 10 points. Or hell, if they want to do a two-point convert, they can go up by 11, force two touchdowns in like the last minute of play in the game. This would solidify Cleveland's win. But no, what Nick Chubb does is he runs all the way down the sideline and then cuts out at the one-yard line. And every single talking head in football is like, oh, what a team player. He knows that if he goes out of bounds there, All Cleveland has to do is kneel down and end the game. So he's not going to put his guys in any more trouble. Oh, what what football IQ. What a great play. Let me tell you what it was. And look, I don't have any skin in the game. I had Cleveland minus three. I don't care if I push on a total or not. If I bet that game, it means I get the money back. Look, I'm not worried about that. Here's the thing. Everybody talks about how unselfish of a play that was by Nick Chubb. No. If he was really worried about being unselfish, as soon as he got the first down, that's when he goes, or matter of fact, stays inbounds so the clock keeps running. That's what you do in that scenario. The fact that he ran all the way down to the one-yard line and then cut out of bounds means what he wanted to do was a decidedly not unselfish thing, which is pad his own stats. Pat his yardage stats. That was, what, a 50-some yard run, I think? And look, okay, cool. You didn't want to score a touchdown. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever because, look, okay, let me put it to you this way. If I'm Nick Chubb's agent, I'm on the phone with him immediately. And I tweeted this. I'm on the phone with him immediately going, Nick, I love you, but the next time you cost yourself money on your next contract by not scoring a touchdown, I will throttle you. Because that's exactly what he did. You can't tell me that in an agent's discussion with a team come contract time, number of touchdowns scored is not one of the first things that gets brought up in those negotiations. Nick Chubb took one of those touchdowns off the board for himself. You can talk all you want. You can do the mental gymnastics of all. What a great teammate he was. No, ridiculous. He wanted to pad his own stats and then for some reason elected to take his own money away by not scoring a touchdown. I feel I'm one of the more vocal people saying how absolutely stupid, just utterly ridiculous and stupid that was of Nick Chubb to not score a touchdown. His teammates will come to his defense. All the NFL talking heads will apparently talk about what great football IQ it was. To me, it was stupid, ridiculous, 
Absolutely, all he wanted was he had the camera on him, and he said, "Oh look, oh I don't, I don't care. I'll just flop out of bounds, and I won't worry about it." No, what a real teammate would have done is gotten the first down, dove, stayed in bounds, kept the clock running, and then knelt the ball out. That's the way you do that. You don't run all the way down to the one yard line so your yards per carry stat goes way up, and then duck out of bounds. So, now that I've had my Nick Chubb rant, uh, Cleveland, they're third place in their division, but they're still 6-3. and three. Got back on the happy side of things last week, and like I say, the Eagles, despite dropping their game last week, still in control of the absolutely awful NFC East. And look, I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. The Giants are on a bye this week. I am fading the NFC East this week entirely especially against the spread. And we'll talk about that when we get to the spread pick. But uh, spoilers, I'm not picking the Eagles in this game. Both of these defenses playing fairly well lately. The offenses on both sides are kind of leaving something to be desired. But look, I'm just going to lean on the home team here that it genuinely think is the better football team. That's the Cleveland Browns. I think both teams are relatively healthy or certainly becoming healthier. That two-headed monster of Chubb and Kareem Hunt, man, I think they're going to be unstoppable the rest of the year. Let's take the Browns at home to beat Philly. On the line, Cleveland's laying three and a half points. Now, usually I would be very wary about buying that extra half point. But like I said, this is fade the NFC East week because the Giants aren't playing. Genuinely, I think the Giants are the best team in the division. But here's the thing. The Giants against the spread, and again, the Giants are on a bye this week. The Giants are 7-3 and three against the spread. The rest of the NFC East is 8-19, and 19, including Dallas that's like 1-8. and 8-19 eight. Eight and 19 against the spread, the rest of that division. Even looking at like Washington, who I think has a pretty darn good defense. Even them, I think they're only 4-5, and five, so they're like half of the other wins. I'm fading the NFC East completely this week, which means I'm laying the points three and a half on the Cleveland Browns. Nick Chubb, don't you dare do that garbage again. Total in the game set at 48 points. Um, I think this line is too high. I think this line should be a field goal lower than it is. I only capped this at a low 40 to begin with. It's going to be rainy in Cleveland. Winds up over 15 miles an hour. I think this is going to be a big time ground game, which means lots of Nick Chubb, lots of Kareem Hunt. I think this game stays under. We're going to stay under 48 points in Philly, Cleveland. Let's go Browns 23, Eagles 18. Let's go to New Orleans now where the Saints are going to begin a at least brief amount of time without Drew Brees for the second season in a row, turning to Jameis Winston at quarterback to take on the Atlanta Falcons coming off their bye week. Look, there's never a good time to lose your starting quarterback, but when you're the Saints, you've won six games in a row, you've taken the lead in this division, Tampa Bay seems like they're a really good team but maybe not an elite team like you have to consider yourselves to be and then all of a sudden Drew Brees goes down with multiple broken ribs and like a collapsed lung so he's going to be out multiple multiple weeks Jameis Winston's taken over he looked okay and I think the fact that they're going with him over Taysom Hill is probably an indication that Taysom Hill is not where he needs to be as a quarterback and where a lot of people maybe thought 
he was. And if the opportunity came up, oh, it's going to be Taysom Hill. No, that's why you have Jameis Winston. And actually, the Saints are really smart. Because when you have an undersized quarterback who's older, you never know when an injury like that can pop up or just... I would think an undersized quarterback of that age would be a little more prone to injury, even though Drew Brees obviously takes great care of himself and his body. But that's why you pay that money to have a high-quality backup quarterback. They did it with Teddy Bridgewater. Now they're doing it with Jameis Winston. Can Jameis Winston beat the Atlanta Falcons? On paper, I certainly think he can. However, Falcons, two straight wins. They've won three of their last five after starting the season, I think, 0-3 or 0-4, something like that. The Falcons have turned it on. They're playing much better football than they had been earlier in the season. And it looks like they're probably going to get Calvin Ridley back this week too. Atlanta's been piling up the points over the last month, 30 points per game. And the defense has really turned it around. They have not given up more than 27 points in any game in their last four. And they had, you know, back-to-back-to-back games of 23, 23, and 17 allowed. That defense has turned a corner. While I think it's entirely possible that the Saints could win this game on the strength of their defense... It's a division game, man. I kind of like the underdog here. Plus, most of Atlanta's struggles this year have come in their own building, where I think they're only 1-4 or 1-3. Yeah, they're, they're only 1-4 at home. They're even money on the road. They're even money in the division. I think Atlanta wins this thing. I'm taking the upset. Let's take the Falcons on the road in New Orleans to beat the Jameis Winston-led Saints. On the line, the Saints were favored, I believe, by as much as six and a half or seven points, maybe even a little bit more. That number has now come down to five. I like Atlanta to win outright. I'll take those points at plus five. Atlanta as an underdog on the road, three and one against the spread. Let's take the five points. Total in the game set at 51 and a half points. I think this is pretty well a perfect total. This number could probably stand maybe to be a little bit lower, but it's right in that area. At home, the Saints 4-1 and one to the over this year. So even though they don't have Drew Brees, I do think this game goes over by a point or two. Let's go over 51.5 points in Atlanta, New Orleans. Let's go Falcons 28, Saints 24. Let's go to Washington now where the football team will play host to the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Fresh off of a pretty big loss in the division are the Bengals and they're on the tail end of back-to-back road games as well. Now, as I mentioned, despite the fact that Washington's defense is playing rather well and the offense has even shown some stuff the last couple of weeks, I mean, especially like Alex Smith starting his first game in nearly 800 days, throws for somewhere in the area of 400 yards or close to 400 yards. It was just, it was great to see him back out on a football field starting an NFL game. That was awesome. Look, I've committed to it. I'm fading the NFC East this week. I'm fading Washington. I like Cincinnati to pick up the win here. And yes, I'm doing that even though both of Washington's wins have come at home this year. Even though the Bengals are winless away from their own building this year at 0-4-1. Despite all of those things, I've made a commitment and I'm doing it. Fading the NFC East, Cincinnati picks up the win in Washington. It also certainly helps that I don't really think Washington has the offense as a whole to really take advantage of the fact that the Bengals are giving up 31 points a game over their last four. 
On the line, Washington only laying a single point at home as the favorites. That's a nice tasty little piece of bait, but I'm still not taking it. I like the Bengals to win outright. I will take that single point. Worth noting, the Bengals as underdogs this year, 5-3 and three against the spread, one of just six teams in the NFL with five or more covers as underdogs. Total in the game set at 46.5 points. This total is way too high for me. I would have liked to see this at least a field goal lower, if not more. These are two offenses that don't move the ball with the greatest regularity and really don't pile up the points. So the fact that this is a middling 40 and not a low 40, I only capped this thing in the 30s. So I like this to stay under 46.5 points in Cincinnati, Washington. Let's go Bengals 20. Washington 17. Maybe a last second field goal from Randy Bullock. Why not? Let's go to Carolina now where the Panthers offensively will limp in against the Detroit Lions. Actually, both of these teams hurting on the offensive side of the ball and is at the quarterback position in both instances. These two teams have combined to win just seven games on the season, basement dwellers in the NFC South and North respectively. But while the Panthers have lost five straight games, at the very least, the Lions got off the schneid last week. They won and have won three of their last five games. Panthers currently only one and four in their own building, where in Detroit, they've actually won more games on the road than they've lost. They're at three and two. Neither one of these offenses or defenses over the last few weeks, much to write home about Carolina giving up 33 points over their last four, Detroit giving up 31, both of them scoring right around league average at 24 points per game. But like I mentioned, the injury situations here are, you know, fairly significant. Sorry, actually, I forgot to mention going back to the Washington-Cincinnati game, Washington's going to be without their starting left tackle, Cornelius Lucas. He injured his ankle. Status is uncertain, but I'd be really surprised if he played. That also goes into fading the NFC East. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Carolina, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater suffered a sprained MCL last week. Now, luckily, it is in a different knee than he had that career-threatening injury a few years ago. His status is uncertain. I have to consider him doubtful for this game. Also, Christian McCaffrey, he's not playing this week. He's got the shoulder injury, and the team is reportedly preparing for him to miss multiple weeks. So, when it rains, it pours when you're the Carolina Panthers. As far as Detroit goes, Danny Amendola is dealing with a hip injury. Don't know whether he's going to play or not, but Matt Stafford is the big watch here. Has an injury to his throwing hand. He had x-rays on it yesterday. They came back negative. He is reportedly hopeful that he'll play through the injury, but look, it's an injury to your throwing hand. That's a big problem for a quarterback that likes to throw the ball a lot. You may see a lot of DeAndre Swift in this game, a lot of the ground game and the short dump-off passes from Detroit. I mean, when you're a team that's on a skid like Carolina is, I can't I can't go with you, especially when your starting quarterback isn't going to play, your starting running back isn't going to play. I just don't see any way to bet with the Carolina Panthers, especially considering they're the favorites at home in this game to a team that is above 500 on the road. That doesn't make any sense to me. We're going to grab the Detroit Lions and be super happy about it. Detroit in Carolina beats the Panthers. On the line, like I said, Carolina's laying three points. 
I like Detroit to cover that. Obviously, I like Detroit to win outright. Give me the three points, due in no small part to the Panthers' injuries. Total in the game set at 49 points. Originally, I thought this was kind of the perfect total. But then again, the injuries are really climbing up there. And they're on the offensive side. Significant pieces on the offensive side in both cases. Even though the defenses are bad, that's a high number. We're going to stay under that number. Under 49 points in Detroit, Carolina. Let's go Lions 24, Panthers 20. Let's go to Baltimore now where the Ravens are fresh off that aforementioned loss to Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. They lost that game, what was it, 23-16 to or something like that, 23-17, somewhere in that range. They're going to play host to the Tennessee Titans in what I think is going to be one of the marquee AFC matchups of the week. These are two teams in two very different situations within their own divisions. Baltimore, you can almost kiss the AFC North goodbye at this point. There are three games in the hole to Pittsburgh. They've lost to Pittsburgh straight up, I believe. That's just going to be a really tough hole for the Ravens to climb out of because, quite frankly, the Ravens are a great defense. That offense kind of is what it is right now. So it's going to be real tough for them to catch Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, Tennessee, they're right in the thick of things in the AFC South. They're tied with the Colts atop the AFC South at 6-3. and three. Now, the Colts did pick up the win last week, Tennessee moving in the wrong direction. They've, in fact, only won two of their previous five games. Ravens also dealing with a not insignificant injury that occurred last week in that rainy game, and it's tight end Nick Boyle. He suffered a knee injury, and per Coach Harbaugh, he is done for the season. It was a pretty gruesome injury when it happened. You know it's bad when the player goes down and the players on the opposing team look to that player's sidelines and start waving the medical staff over. You know it's not good when that happens, and uh, speedy recovery, obviously, to Nick Boyle. His season is done. He was an option in the receiving game. He's a pretty good blocker, I believe, as well. So Baltimore is going to have a fairly significant hole to try to fill there. Injuries are kind of starting to pile up a little bit on the Baltimore Ravens. They've had injuries on their defensive line. Now they've got that injury on the offensive side of the ball as well. Well, that defense is still excellent. They're only giving up 22 points a game over their last four. Had a couple of, you know, a couple of rough spots there a couple weeks ago, but they've rebounded only giving up 33 points total in their last two games. That defense is really good. The offense not quite playing up to the defense's standards right now. And you can even say that in Tennessee too, but Tennessee's defense not as good as Baltimore's defense, but Tennessee not really scoring a lot either. All of that to say, even though I think the Ravens, and I said it earlier, quote, are what they are, Tennessee's been a different football team since Taylor Lewan got hurt. And until Taylor Lewan can come back, if he can even come back this season, it's really tough for me to go with Tennessee, especially on the road in Baltimore, historically tough place to play. I like the Ravens here. I don't think this is a landslide win, but I think it's a get-right win for the Baltimore Ravens on both sides of the ball. Let's take Baltimore to beat Tennessee, even though Titans coming in well-rested on the long week. On the line, the Ravens are just laying too many points here. The Ravens are laying a full six and a half points as home favorites against Tennessee. These two teams are playing too similarly right now. That's too many points for me. 
the Ravens as favorites are only three and five against the spread this year. So it's tough for me to take a team that is well under 500 laying almost a full touchdown. So let's take those points, take Tennessee plus 6.5. Total in the game set at 49, just like the previous game. And kind of like the previous game, I think this is pretty close to a perfect total. Maybe could adjust by a half point one way or the other. But the Ravens at home have only hit one over this year. So we're going to stick under on this game as well. Under 49 points in Tennessee, Baltimore. Let's go Ravens 24, Titans 23. <laughs> With four games to go here, I really do realize just how much time that Nick Chubb rant took up earlier. Let's go to Houston now. Texans going to play host to the New England Patriots. Like we mentioned, Texans with that three-point loss against uh, Cleveland last week. The Patriots got on the happy side of things by beating the aforementioned Baltimore Ravens. The Patriots are far from out of this thing. They've won back-to-back -back football games now at 4-5. and five. They're not out of it for the division. They're not out of it for a wild card, considering there's going to be three of them this year. The Houston Texans, they're out of it. They're at 2-7, and seven, and even though they got that win two weeks ago, uh, just right back to Houston Texans football last week. Situationally speaking, both of these teams sit at 1-3 and three on the season. Houston 1-3 and three in their own building. The Patriots only 1-3 and three on the road. Neither one of these teams scoring a ton of points right now, but I've got to go ahead and lean on the team that's at least playing slightly better defense. And you've been seeing that increase in effectiveness on the defensive side from the New England Patriots over the last couple of weeks. Now look, Houston, yes, they only gave up 10 points last week. I feel like that was kind of a freak game in Cleveland. Weird, weird weather. This Texans defense is not good, and I think the Patriots on the offensive side are going to be able to take advantage of that. They've scored at least 21 points in three straight games. Let's take New England here on the road in Houston. New England gets the win over the Texans. On the line, the Texans are two and a half point dogs at home. That line, I think, makes pretty good sense. Although I think in this situation, I wouldn't be surprised if this was closer to a pick'em because I find it hard to feel like the Patriots might be laying upwards of five, five and a half points if the game was at home. But I'm going to lay the two and a half points on New England. I like them to win. It's a relatively small price to pay. And the Houston Texans, as a home underdog this year, I believe in either at least two games, if not three, their margin of victory in those games is negative 16. So as a home underdog, they're getting blown out. There is a blowout possibility here. I think the Patriots cover this number fairly easily, considering Houston has been garbage at home total in the game set at 47 and a half points i feel like this total should be higher i think this could stand to be maybe even as much as a field goal higher i originally capped this in the low to mid 50s uh, i dialed back on that just a little bit but the patriots are three and one to the over on the road this year i do think this game goes over just by the slightest margin we're going to go over 47 and a half points in houston new england let's go patriots 28 houston 20 third straight win for new england let's go to indianapolis now where the colts uh, with the benefit of the long week, are going to play host to my Green Bay Packers with the benefit of surviving that game against Jacksonville. 
Look, I know all the talking points. The wind was something, a big thing to deal with. Aaron wasn't quite as sharp as he normally is. As a matter of fact, that interception was 100% Aaron Rodgers' fault. But uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars D, man, they showed up last week. And all respect to them, they were exactly where they needed to be on almost every play. Luckily, we kind of got their best and still came away with the win. The Colts got back on the happy side of things last week with a big win inside the division against Tennessee. That was a very, very important win for Indianapolis. That really makes things interesting inside that division. As a matter of fact, they doubled up the Titans 34-17, and we may have to start talking about Indianapolis like they're a better offense than we've given them credit for to this point in the season. Aside from only scoring 10 points two games ago, they've scored 34, 41, and 31 over their last four. As a matter of fact, I think this is going to be a very tight football game. These two teams are incredibly, incredibly similar, both in terms of their output over the last month or so, they're averaging the exact same number of points scored over the last four games. And the defenses, honestly, like, aside from giving up 28 points a few weeks ago, Green Bay's defense has been on point from a scoring perspective. And Indianapolis just, in general, has one of the best defenses in the league. The weather is going to be crummy in Indianapolis, but I believe Lucas Oil Stadium has a dome. So I don't think we're really going to have to worry too much about that, or if not a dome, at least a roof. So I think conditions should be fairly conducive for these two teams to have themselves a hell of a game. I just can't pick against Green Bay here. I, genuinely, I do think Green Bay's the better team. And maybe if these two teams were both 100% healthy, maybe I'd look at it a different way. But in the real key areas, I give Green Bay the edge. I give them the edge at quarterback. I give them the edge at running back. I give them the edge at wide receiver big time with Devontae Adams, or at least top-end wide receiver. I give them a pretty big edge. The defense, Colts definitely have the better defense. I'm going to be taking the Packers here on the road in Indianapolis to beat the Colts. On the line, the Packers are actually getting points, and it's not very often that the Packers get points. Indy's laying two and a half points as a home favorite. That line makes complete sense to me. That is pretty well a perfect line. I like the Packers to win outright, so I'm going to take those two and a half points. Worth noting, the Packers as underdogs this year, their margin of victory is plus eight, and I believe they are two and oh in those games. Total in the game set at 51 points. This line is too high as far as I'm concerned. I think this is going to be more of a defensive battle than people maybe expect it with Aaron Rodgers and Phillip Rivers at quarterback. I only capped this thing in the low to mid 40s. I think this number should be at least a field goal lower than it is. And the Colts have only hit one over at home this year. So we're going to go under 51 points in Green Bay, Indianapolis. Give me Packers 24 Colts, 23. Let's go to Minnesota now where the Vikings, fresh off of their Monday night football win last night. It was touch and go for quite a while, but again, division games, anything can happen. Minnesota comes up with the victory over the Chicago Bears last night. They are now going to play host to the Dallas Cowboys. Coming off of their bye, Andy Dalton may very well be back under center this week, and the Minnesota Vikings are going to win because I'm anti-NFC East. Look, I'm nothing if not consistent. I'm fading the division. What else do you want from me? Look, Cowboys are 1-3 this year against NFC opponents that are not in the NFC East. So, look, this is just an awful division. How many? There's, there's only so many different ways you can say it. This is an awful division. 
And I don't think any team in this division, save for maybe the New York Giants, can step to very many teams outside of their own division. Especially not a Vikings team who, ugly as they may be, have won three straight games. The team isn't ugly, the wins have been ugly. They've won three straight games. They haven't exactly looked the greatest doing it, but they've won three straight games. Dallas has also yet to win a game on the road this year. This is not happening, I don't think. Let's take the Minnesota Vikings at home to beat Dallas. On the line, Minnesota's laying eight points as a favorite, which I really had to think long and hard just how committed I was to fading the NFC East this week because that's a lot of points for the team that I just watched last night not look all that great against Chicago. Then I remembered, wait a minute, Chicago has a defense, Dallas doesn't really. They've failed to cover Dallas have on the road as an underdog this year, which they've been, I think, all three times they've been on the road. Maybe not, maybe one of them they were a favorite. Um, I'm going to lay the points. It feels kind of gross to lay that many points on the team that I just watched. But yeah, Minnesota minus eight. We're going to lay those points on the Vikings. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. Given that I have one team getting up into the 30s on their own, I got the game capped at a high 50. I think this line should be at least a field goal higher than it is. The Vikings have hit all four overs at home this year. Let's go over 49 and a half points in Minnesota, Dallas. Vikings 34, Cowboys 24. We'll give them some points. And the last game we're going to look at is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home playing host to a Los Angeles Rams team that just lost their left tackle and an all-world left tackle at that. NFC South versus NFC West here. Both of these teams only losing three games apiece so far on the season. Both of them are talented on the offensive side of the ball. Both of them are talented on the defensive side of the ball. The Rams, arguably one of the best statistical defenses in the NFL so far this year. Haven't had a ton of success on the road, though, have the Rams. They're only two and three away from their own building. Both teams were on the happy side of things last time they hit the football field. But like I mentioned, the Rams, a very significant loss. And it's left tackle Andrew Whitworth, tore his MCL, tore his PCL. He's headed to injured reserve, likely to miss six to eight weeks. Although per Ian Rappaport via, I think, uh, Sean McVay, or it might have even just been a report at a locker room, It's not being considered season-ending. They're saying there is a possibility that Whitworth could come back at the end of that time frame, especially if the Rams make a deep run into the playoffs. So there is the possibility that Whitworth could come back at what condition would remain to be seen. This Bucks team is so interesting to me because obviously they've got the headliners on the offensive side of the ball. Brady, Gronkowski, Godwin, Mike Evans... Ronald Jones had a 98-yard touchdown run last week. They brought in Antonio Brown, who now appears to be back in trouble yet again. Wouldn't you know who won the pony? But they've got all of that offensive firepower and name recognition on the offensive side. Leonard Fournette, heaven's sake. But the way the Bucks really dictate football games is with their defensive line. The Bucks dictate games by winning on the line. And obviously you look at the LA Rams and you think of like, immediately you think of, well, Aaron Donald. That's something they do incredibly well as well. And yeah, the Rams are are the better defense in this game. No question about it. The Rams are not scoring and they just lost their starting left tackle. That defensive line for the Tampa Bay Bucks 
I just got this funny feeling are going to feast in this football game. And I think it's going to lead the Bucks to a win. They're 3-1 and one in their own building so far this year. I'm going to go with it. I like the Tampa Bay Bucks in a very tight defensive affair. I like the Bucks to beat the Rams. On the line, the Bucks are laying a full three and a half points as home favorites. But when the Bucks are favorites, their margin of victory is over six and a half points. So that's better than a field goal on this. I'm going to lay those points on the Bucks. I just got a feeling about them this week, and that's about as far as I can take it. Let's take the Bucks minus the three and a half points. Total in the game set at 47 and a half. Look, I think this number should be like a touchdown lower. <laughs> I genuinely feel like this number should be like 41. I really think that's where this number belongs. So I only capped the game in the mid 30s. I'm definitely on the under here. We're going to go under 47 and a half points in Tampa Bay, Los Angeles. Let's go Bucks 20, Rams 14. All right, here we go, folks. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 11 in the NFL, starting, of course, at the bottom with the bronze pick, where I'm 9-1 straight up, only 8-11-1 on the betting picks so far this year. Let's get a couple in the win column here with the Miami Dolphins on the road in Denver taking on the Broncos. Look, man, I doubted the Dolphins last week. They made me eat my words. Five straight wins for the Miami Dolphins after starting the season 1-3. and three. Tua moves to 3-0 and oh as a starter. Most touchdown passes in his first three starts without throwing an interception since 1950. That's all Tua really has to do to be successful with the defense that the Miami Dolphins are playing right now. Just don't turn the ball over. Broncos, meanwhile, are losers of two straight games, not quite sitting in the basement of the AFC West. We'll talk about the team that is here in a few minutes. Broncos at three and six, losers of two straight games. The offense isn't doing it. The defense isn't doing it. And they're not doing it at home either. Like the Broncos with that fabled home field advantage of playing at Mile High Stadium, they've only won one of their four home games. Dolphins are on fire here lately, and I hope I don't jinx them. Denver can't stop anybody on the defensive side lately, at least 30 points allowed in each of their last four games. They do have like a 30-point offensive upside, but their downside is like less than two touchdowns. So we're going to go with Miami here. They're playing hot. Let's take the Dolphins in Denver to beat the Broncos. On the line, Miami laying three and a half points as a road favorite. You got to buy that extra half point, but I think I'm going to. Miami 2-0 this season against the spread as a favorite. Remember, everybody was perpetually underrating them earlier in the season. I think I was one of the first people to kind of point out and say, yeah, no, the Dolphins are kind of doing something here, guys. Maybe we might want to pay attention to them. I was one of the first people to say that. And then now, of course, last week I went and picked against them because that's how my brain works. I'm going to lay those points. Denver's defense is atrocious right now. I think Tua has himself another really good game. Let's go Miami minus the three and a half. Total in the game set at 45 points. Pretty close to a perfect total. I think this could go up or down a point maybe. Uh, most people seem to be on the over here, although it's fairly even split. It's a middling number. It's pretty easy to get to. Let's go over the 45 points in Miami, Denver. Dolphins straight up. We're going to hammer the Dolphins minus three and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 45 points. That is the bronze pick. Let's go Dolphins 26, Broncos 21. 
My silver pick run nine and one straight up, nine, nine and one combined on the betting picks. Sees the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Again, had a really good defensive showing last week and their reward for that is having to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think you can probably guess where this is going. Jags, losers of eight straight games. Maybe this is the ultimate trap game. Uh, I'll hear arguments for that. But look, I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to lose out on a so far undefeated season to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just don't think that's going to happen. The Steelers have scored as many points this year as the Jacksonville Jaguars have given up. So I think Pittsburgh, whatever they're doing on average this year, I don't think they're going to have much of any trouble getting that done against Jacksonville this week. Look, we're just going to not think about this too much. We're going to take the Steelers. Let's take Pittsburgh on the road in Jacksonville to beat the Jags. On the line, Pittsburgh laying 10 points as the road favorite. So... 10 or more point favorites. And I'm going to shout out the blind Canadian cat on this, my good friend Cody, because he's kind of been on this bandwagon and loudly and proudly for the last couple of weeks. 10 or more point favorites, so double digit favorites, since week five are only three and six against the spread. My problem is this line is justified. It's fully, fully justified even though Pittsburgh's the road team, even though they're the ones laying the 10 points, I still think I'm going to take it. Yeah, sure, there's not a ton of money to be made betting those double-digit spreads in recent memory this season. But man, I got to think this is one of those ones that's going to hit. Pittsburgh's going to be able to put up the points through the air on the ground however they want to. Their defense is too good for the Jags on the offensive side, especially if it's that rookie quarterback in again. Although look, he played fine against Green Bay. He played relatively well. This defense is a whole nother beast. So Pittsburgh winning by 10 points, it feels justified to me. I'm going to lay those 10 points. Total in the game set at 47 and a half points. I capped this around a high 40. I think this number could stand to even be a little bit higher possibly, but I like it to go over. Most of the public likes it to go over as well. Let's go over 47 and a half points in Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. Steelers straight up. We're going to hammer the Steelers minus 10 against the spread in a game that goes over 47 and a half points. That is the silver pick. Let's take Steelers 31, Jags 18. My gold pick where I'm 7 and 3 straight up, but only 7 and 13 on the betting picks sees the LA Chargers at home taking on the New York Jets. And normally the Chargers would be nowhere close to a pick this high unless I was picking against them. But it's the Jets. Now the Jets are coming in fresh off of their bye, so they'll be well-rested. But at the end of the day, well-rested or not well-rested, they are still the New York Jets. They are still 0-9 on the season. They are still giving up points by the bucket load. They are still failing to score points, the most anemic offense in the NFL. And even though the LA Chargers are two and seven, their point differential is only minus 19. They're only losing by like a field, like field goals. It, it has to be so impossible to be a Chargers fan. It's got to be so frustrating and so mind melting to be a Chargers fan because you see this team and you see 
They can move the ball really well. They can score points. They can play some defense when they need to. How in the world is this team 2-7? and seven? And it was the exact same thing when Phillip Rivers was there. They have been the bane of my betting existence for years now. And yes, they've lost three straight games, but they're playing the Jets. If ever there was a get-right opponent, it's the New York Jets. I don't think the Jets have any chance of testing that Chargers defense that is giving up 30 points a game over their last four. But look, when you're against an offense that's only scoring 12 a game, yeah, they scored 27 a couple of weeks ago, but they're only scoring 12 points a game over the last month. This offense is not going to test this admittedly fairly bad defense lately. The Chargers are going to be able to score their way out of any trouble they get into in this game. Let's take the Chargers at home to beat the Jets. Now, on the line, Chargers are laying nine points. Well, at least it's not double digits. Good Lord. So the Chargers are laying nine points at home. As a road underdog, the Jets are 0-4 against the spread. They haven't covered, and they've been facing, obviously, some pretty big lines as road underdogs. No one expects the Jets to win a game on the road. Maybe this is another instance where it's like the ultimate trap game, but I really don't think so. Let's take the Chargers and let's lay those points. We're going to lay minus nine. Oh, almost vomited. Lay minus nine on the Chargers. Total in the game set at 47 points. This line is too low. Should be at least a field goal higher than this, if not more. I capped this at the mid-50s. Chargers are going to score plenty of points in this game. Let's go over 47 points in New York, Los Angeles. Chargers straight up. We're going to hammer the Chargers minus nine against the spread in a game that goes over 47 points. That is your gold pick. We're going to go Chargers 33, Jets 21. And the last game we're going to look at was my platinum pick. Six and four straight up, only five and 15 on the betting picks. That's disgusting. And I owe you an apology for it. So let's see if we can start making it better. Raiders at home taking on the fresh Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, earlier this season, just a few weeks ago, the Raiders went into Kansas City and hung a 40-32 to loss on the Chiefs. So you have to know, this has to feel like the ultimate revenge game for Kansas City, who has Super Bowl aspirations and doesn't want to let a team in their own division do that to them. As a matter of fact, that's the Chiefs' only loss so far this year. They've rebounded with four straight wins. The Raiders, to their credit, they've won three games in a row. The Raiders are, dare I say it, a pretty good football team, except when they get absolutely blown out of the water. Chiefs have not lost a game on the road so far this season, while the Raiders are only even money at home at 2-2. Two and two. Certainly something to watch out for. Look, the Chiefs, we knew that was a blip on the radar. They've rebounded in such a huge way. Almost 35 points a game over their last four games. They're only giving up 18 points a game over that same span. Yeah, they gave up 31 points last week, but I think that in itself is a blip on the radar. This is definitely a revenge game for the Chiefs, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen on the field. Let's take the Chiefs on the road in Vegas to get one up back on the Raiders. On the line, Raiders are six and a half point dogs at home, totally understandable, but the Chiefs as a road favorite so far this season, their margin of victory is double what the current spread is. It's 13 points. They're only laying six and a half. It's under a touchdown. You won't get the Chiefs under a touchdown very often this season. So let's go ahead and lay those points. Lay the six and a half on Kansas City. 
Total in the game set at 56 and a half points. Now I had originally capped this as like a high 50. So this was another one that I was probably going to take the over on. But genuinely, I do now feel this number should be lower. After I did a little more math on it, let it simmer for a little bit more. This number is too high. This number should be about a field goal lower than it is. Should be around 53 and a half points with how the Chiefs defense is playing lately. I think they're going to win on both sides of the football, offensively and defensively. And I think it's going to be enough that it stays under this number. We're going to go under 56 and a half points in Kansas City, Las Vegas. Chiefs straight up. We're going to hammer the Chiefs minus six and a half against the spread. In a game that stays under 56 and a half points, that is your platinum pick. Let's go Chiefs 30, Raiders 23. There you go, folks. The early morning edition of the picks for week 11 are now in the books, and it is time now for the patented comment of the week. And I have a lot to choose from, as this was the most commented on episode, and I believe most watched episode, since week 5. So thank you very much for all the support last week. I wish I could have given you better picks, but we're going to make up for it this week. So the comment of the week from the week 10 episode, you got to know where this is coming from. It's coming from the blind Canadian cat. Again, got to give him respect on this whole double digit spread thing. I just hope he's wrong this week. His comment from last week was ignoring the double digit line trend and disrespecting my fellow Oregonian in which he's talking about uh, Jake Luton, I believe was the starting quarterback for the Jags last week. Shame that backdoor cover is coming and you know it, boy, it wasn't even a backdoor cover. They just plain covered. Uh, let's see, where am I at here? And if I'm wrong, I, unlike most people around these parts, will accept my defeat and admit I'm wrong. It's true. And that's actually, it's something I kind of alluded to earlier. I'm very transparent with my failures. Like I'm very transparent with my losses and it's because I don't have an ego, but you cannot shake my sense of self. I know exactly who I am. Self-awareness is a big thing of mine. I know exactly who I am. I'm not afraid when I get picks wrong. I get it wrong. I accept it. I try to do better. And I will full well admit when I'm flat out wrong about something. Now, if I feel that I have a better defense, then I'll go ahead. But if I know I'm flat out wrong about something, I'll full well admit it. And I admit I'm going heavily against that trend. What did we say it was? Uh, 10 or more point favorites are three and six against the spread since week five. So really not going well, but that is enough. Blind Canadian cat. Yours is the comment of the week from the week 10 episode. I appreciate the self-awareness, my guy. I appreciate all the comments. Thank you so much. Week 11 episode is in the books and I am now in a mad dash to try somehow in the next two and a half hours to get this damn episode out. It's going to be a struggle, but we're going to try to get there. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and now, of course, my newest affiliation with the Dynasty Trade Calculator. The week 11 episode is now in the books. Thank you so much for watching. Remember, affiliate link to the Dynasty Trade Calculator now in my description below. We will see you again for week 12. Mm -hmm.